What's up, everyone? It's Henry, back with another episode of Hanging with Henry. And today, we're going to be talking about genetics and the world of sports. I'm joined by a very special guest, a teammate and fellow Coloradan, Kinsey Hall. Hi, everyone. So happy to be here. So today, we're talking about genetics and the world of sports. And the first question I want to ask you is, do you think advantageous genetics are unfair? Um... I really don't think advantageous genetics are unfair in the world of sports because I think the whole point of being an athlete is that you have a genetic predisposition that sets you apart and that makes you better at your certain sport. And I think some of the best athletes in the world are set apart because of their genetics. So I don't think it's unfair because it's something you're born with and you should use it to your advantage. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. So first thing I want to talk to you about is your thoughts on Ethiopian and Kenyan runners because they have been a big powerhouse in the world of distance running. Um, I think that Ethiopian and Kenyan runners definitely represent a large amount of some of the world's best distance runners and they hold a lot of the world records. Um, and I do think a lot of that has to do with genetics as well as the social aspect of them growing up with a cohort of really talented athletes and um, training being a big part of their lives. Yeah, so a fun fact actually is that since the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, runners from Kenya and Ethiopia have absolutely dominated in the middle and long distance races. Since 1988, 28 out of the 31 male first place runners at the Boston Marathon have been from either Kenya or Ethiopia. So the reason that Kenyan and Ethiopian runners are so fast is because of a thing called somatotypes, which is basically breaking people up into categories depending on their bodily physique. And so there's three different types of somatotypes, which are ectomorphs, endomorphs, and mesomorphs. So ectomorphs are categorized by like long and lean, little body fat, little muscle, and it's pretty hard for people in this category to gain weight. And this gives them an advantage in endurance sports. And an, an example of that, like I've been talking about, is distance running. Endomorphs usually have a little bit more body fat, lots of muscle, and gain weight pretty easily. And they this gives them an advantage in the strength category. So think about like a football lineman. And then the third category, mesomorph is athletic, solid, strong, and they gain and lose weight without much effort. And this gives them an advantage in the explosivity category. So think about like soccer or rugby. So as you might be able to guess, Kenyan runners are extreme ectomorphs. And this is because of their long and slender legs that makes them more efficient. And also, David Epstein, the author of The Sports Gene, highlights that the Kalenjin tribe has exceptionally thin ankles and calves, which, surprising at least to me, is very advantageous in running. So think about your leg like a pendulum moving back and forth. The more weight that you have um, further from your center of gravity, the more difficult and like the more labor it's going to take to swing. So if you have super thin or super thick ankles and calves, it is going to make it harder for you to uh, like swing your leg back and forth and like propel yourself to run. 
So Greg Warner wrote, if you take a runner and put eight pounds of weight around his waist, he can still run reasonably well. But if you put those same eight pounds in the form of two four-pound weights around his ankles, that will take much more energy and slow him down considerably. So the main region that a lot of these elite Kenyan runners are training is the Rift Valley, which sits just over 7,900 feet of elevation, which gives them the advantage of high altitude training. So when you go up to high altitude, once your body acclimates, it produces more red blood cells, which allows the blood to carry more oxygen. So then when you go back down to lower elevation, you have all those red blood cells and you have more oxygen available to you, which means that your muscles are able to use it more effectively, which actually makes like you faster. Um, and this is because of the, uh, this thing called the VO2 max, which basically is just a measure of like how much oxygen is in your body. And so a higher VO2 max means more oxygen that like the body is able to consume and use to make energy in the muscles, therefore making you faster. As you know, both of us are from Colorado, which means that we are living at just over a mile high in elevation. So with that um, comes the talk of VO2 max, as I just explained. So Kinsey, being from Boulder, what is your experience with VO2 max? Um, I would say that our VO2 max is definitely something that our coaches would emphasize at practice just because it's so important. Um, and a lot of workouts would be specifically tailored to boost our VO2 maxes. And our Garmin running watches can actually predict your VO2 max. And I would notice that after running um, intensive training at higher altitudes, when I would come back down to my slightly lower altitude at a mile high, I would still see that my VO2 max had been boosted by my altitude training. So now I want to move over to a South African Olympian whose name is Castor Semenya. So she is an exceptional athlete, but she's been put under a lot of scrutiny regarding her gender. So at age 18, she ran a 155 in the 800 and actually ended up winning the world championships in Berlin. And from this like amazing time that she posted, after that, there was a lot of talk about her gender identity within the running community and especially in the media. Um, and people were unsure if she was legitimately a female. So the International Association of Athletics Federations asked South African authorities to conduct a gender test on Semenya. And when the results came out, it showed that she had three times the testosterone level of someone considered a normal woman. I mean, in my opinion, I don't even know like how you categorize like who a normal woman is. I feel like there's such a wide spectrum of testosterone levels and placing boundaries on those levels, I feel like, is not okay. With the case of Castor Semenya, do you think that she should be able to compete with women or not? I do think she should be allowed to compete with women. I definitely see both sides of the picture just because it is a significant genetic advantage that she has. But at the same time, I think all pro athletes to some extent have um, a really unique genetic advantage that sets them apart. Um, and I also think there's so many other ways that athletes can boost themselves above the competition or give themselves that extra edge. And I just think that she was naturally gifted with 
this extra edge, and I don't think that should disqualify her from being able to show her talent. Completely agree with you. It later came out that Semenya is actually an intersex cisgender woman, so she was assigned as a female at birth with XY chromosomes and naturally high levels of testosterone. My main issue regarding like this controversy was the misinformation between sex and gender that was communicated by the IAAF, by the media, kind of just surrounding the whole topic. So from the movie Too Fast to Be a Woman, which basically covers Semenya's story, uh, gender is what you perceive yourself to be, and that's it. And you can't scientifically define gender. So if Castor believes she is female, she is female. And you can't overturn that. There's no scientific test in the world that can turn that aside. So the IAAF was giving her gender verification tests, but there's actually, like, there's absolutely no way to test someone to determine their gender. It's all about what they believe their gender is. And so that is where I had the main issue. And I feel like just in general, a lot of people don't really know the difference between sex and gender. So sex is biological attributes. So that is like uh, genitalia, reproductive systems. And then gender is just a social construct. So if you identify as a female, then you are female. If you identify as a male, then you are a male and no one can take that away from you. It's all within your own interpretation. In 2018, the IAAF actually created rules that require athletes with testosterone levels of five nanomoles per liter and above to medically suppress it if they wanted to be eligible to compete in the women's section for the 400, 800, and 1500 meter races. And this rule, I feel like, just defies the whole concept of sport and competition. And in order to be successful at your sport, you just have to have natural advantages that put you ahead of the competition. Sports is all about being competitive. And if you're just taking away people who have these like God-given talents, then I feel like you're just taking away the competition. And so here's an analogy that kind of puts this into perspective. So for Semenya, her natural advantage is high testosterone levels. For Michael Phelps, producing half the lactic acid than an average person. For Usain Bolt, having a large stride length. So here's an analogy that kind of puts this into perspective. For Semenya, her natural advantage is high testosterone levels. For Michael Phelps, producing half the lactic acid than an average person. For Usain Bolt, having a large stride length. So, Kinsey, is there anything that you notice that, like, sticks out about that list that I just read you? Um, I just think that it really showcases how all of these athletes have something that really sets them apart. And I think for Semenya, the problem was that her natural advantage put into question her gender identity, which is unfortunate. But Michael Phelps producing half the lactic acid of an average person doesn't really put into question what category he should be competing in. And I think that's why he's still allowed to compete with that. Yeah, so I totally agree with what you just said. But the thing that stuck out for me in that list was the idea of gender. I just think that it is incredibly sexist that these men are being praised for doing well in their sports. And that is due to like their natural advantages, while Semenya, who's a female, is being scrutinized for 
just how she was born. I just feel like it's completely unfair and I don't understand why if she is going to be um, uneligible to compete in her sport, why aren't these men also held to the same standard? So wrapping up our talk today, I just wanted to ask you, so being a collegiate athlete, do you think that you have any genes that have helped you be a better athlete than others? Um, I definitely do think there is a certain level of natural ability that you get from your genetics. Um, and I think I've benefited from some of those genes that help me be a better runner. But I also do think a lot of being a college athlete has to do with your work ethic and your mentality. Yeah, so for me, I mean, my mom was a semi-pro marathon runner. And so I definitely feel that her talent and like her genetics have carried over into my ability and my like athleticism and I'm really thankful that, for that because it lets me do what I love and continue to do what I love. So Kinsey, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our talk and I'm so glad that you could make it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. Thank you guys so much for joining me in another episode of Hanging with Henry. I hope you all enjoyed listening to this special episode, and I'll see you back here next week. Bye.